You're listening to Fireside Fridays, a podcast by Ghosts of Gippsland. you once again for joining me by the fire. In this episode, we'll be discussing tales of a tall, hairy, bipedal creature that has been reported many times, not only in this country, but in other countries as well. I am of course talking about the elusive Yowie. The tales we will be discussing today focus primarily in the region of Nuji, a small town in the mountains north of the township of Warrigal nestled in West Gippsland. Once a former gold mining town in the 1860s, Nuji became a timber town and now is a popular tourist attraction for campers and trout fishermen. There have been four separate accounts, two in the 80s and two in the 2010s. Let us start all the way back in 1984 when the first witness account was in a farm paddock adjoining a pine plantation. She was in the township with her husband and was visiting friends and they were out shooting rabbits in some paddocks off the road by a farmhouse. The four of them were in a utility vehicle, two in the cab and two in the tray. It was around dusk, so they had the headlights on, but it wasn't dark enough to have the spotlights on yet. The car was travelling down the paddock, which was quite steep, and heading towards the pine plantation. It was then they saw something in the headlights. There was a fence separating the paddock from the plantation, and whatever they saw was on the plantation side. Whatever it was they could see had its back to them, and its hands and arms were up in front of its face, doing something to a tree. It turned sideways and looked at them. It dropped its hands and disappeared into the trees. The witness's male friend, who was driving the car at the time, spun the vehicle around very quickly and went straight back up the farmhouse. The other two in the tray had no idea what was happening. The witness said that they could see it for about 20 seconds. She described it as as large as a doorway with a head on top. It had wide shoulders and thick-set legs and arms. It had been standing with its legs apart. It was a dark brown colour covered in long hair which added to the bulk of the animal. The hair looked the same all over. The head just seemed plopped on the shoulders. She remembers thinking that the head seemed narrow for the width of the body. The witness said that once the creature decided to go, all it took was three or four steps and it disappeared. It seemed to just amble off. Wasn't in any particular hurry, just gone. It was starting to get too dark, so things like facial features were unable to be seen. She described it as a rather upright gorilla-type creature, but had more of a human stance. She went on to say that the area was very remote, and the farmhouse was rarely used. No one knew that they were going to be there so it couldn't have been someone in a suit. A few years after the sighting, she was told that there were more stories of other sightings in that particular area. They tried to locate the other people with their own stories, but they weren't willing to part with the information. The second eyewitness account from the Nuji area also comes from the 80s. It's from a man named Marty 
who decided to go on a camping trip with his girlfriend Sally, his best friend Richie, and his girlfriend Alita. They were admittedly not really sure where to go, and were novices at camping. It was Alita who suggested to go to Nuji, as she'd spent some time up there with her family as a little girl, and it was wild and isolated, which is what they were all seeking at the time. Parking near a remote bush track, they grabbed all their gear and proceeded onto the dense bushland. They were committed to going as deep as they could and roughing it as best they could, until they reached a river bend and decided it was the perfect spot to make camp. They remember thinking they couldn't go deeper in the bush if they tried. After setting up camp and getting a fire going, there was nothing untowards at the start. They cracked a few beers and got some food going. They dropped some fishing lines in the river in hope of catching a fish. And one of them brought a slug gun along, taking pot shots at the empty cans they'd already consumed. Soon night fell, but still, everything was okay. Everyone was having a laugh. Talking, laughing, having a few more beers. They were all sharing a tent that night, and they were all discussing how snug it was going to get. Marty, the eyewitness, had assumed everyone had drifted off to sleep. But for some reason, he was struggling to do so and wasn't sure why. As he tried to get some sleep himself, something caught his attention. He could hear something from across the other side of the riverbank, something that was crashing through the dense bush. He could hear small trees cracking, snapping, and smashing, and getting closer and closer to the opposite side of the river. He lay there frozen and petrified. His imagination started to run away with him, wondering what was on the other side of that river. He said it was a surreal feeling. At this point, he stayed as quiet and still as he could, as whatever it was marched through the dense bushland like a knife through butter. It felt like no effort whatsoever, and it had stopped on the other side of the creek, just opposite the tent they were sleeping in. Then a feeling of amazement took over as he heard something jump off the embankment and plunge into the river. Earlier in the day, they had swam in that river, Marty admitted he was not a tall man and stood about five foot four, and the water level in the river was up to his chest. He could then hear the thing's legs wading through the water. It was coming straight across the river towards the tent they were sleeping in. He heard it reach the side of the river and step out of the water, and claims it walked around the tent at least three times. He heard it walking around the smouldering campfire, checking things out. He said it would circle the tent once more before taking off, marching through the bush like it had just done before, with trees snapping and smashing off in the distance. He said he didn't sleep for the rest of the night, as he was too frightened in case it came back. The next morning, when he discussed it with his friends and his girlfriend, they too jumped in and gave their own account of the night. As it turns out, they as well were also playing possum, and were too scared to move or speak. They decided to investigate the surrounding bush, to see if there was any damage. They could only describe it as something large having gone through the surrounding bushland, cutting a path through the bush. They found footprints in the soft mud near the bank of the river and around the campsite. The footprints continued over a giant fallen gum tree that they couldn't even climb over. It had piqued the boys' curiosity and they were keen to get some plaster to take some casts of the footprints, but the girls were too frightened and refused to go back. Marty described the footprints as classic Bigfoot, huge big toe and three or four smaller toes. And as it turns out, a leader who suggested they camp there said that there were stories circulating there as well when she was a little girl, but she was too frightened to stay, so they hightailed it out of there 
never to return. The third encounter takes place in February of 2012, and Mr P Stewart was camping with his friend John and sitting around a campfire talking. While they were talking, Mr Stewart stopped. He could hear the call of an Australian native bird of the kookaburra, but he said it sounded distinctly mammal. It had a more softer or rounded sound and it lacked the sharpness of a bird. Suddenly, the bird call stopped. Immediately afterwards, he heard six loud thuds on the ground, sounding like tree trunks falling to the forest floor. Then he heard the kookaburra sound again, and this time he asked his friend John if he could hear the kookaburra call as well. John acknowledged that he had heard it this time, and admitted it was also strange. At this time, their other friend Mark was sleeping in a tent nearby. He came out when the second sound started, and asked what it was. The two men said they didn't know, and went pale because they'd heard about a yowie before, and recognised that it could have been a yowie call. The three men panicked and grabbed all their foodstuffs. This included meat, sausage halves and burger patties. They decided it was a good idea to walk about 100 metres from the camp and they threw it into the bush as far as they could. They started to smell a strong musky scent around the campsite at the time and they described it as the smell of cat spray. Mark, the friend who had just come out of the tent, was genuinely scared and he went back to the safety of his tent. They had a distinct eerie feeling that they were being watched and after a few minutes of feeling like this they started to hear more loud thuds on the ground. As they returned to the campsite they could hear in the distance things being dragged across the ground sounding like dry branches or grass and crunching twigs. They heard a soft echoing whistle similar to the sound you'd make calling your dog or a house animal but he described it as distinctly animal and not human and the whistle was coming from where they threw the meat into the bushland. The three men had been sitting at the campsite now for a half hour, and as they were talking to each other, a branch suddenly landed and rolled towards the men. Though John thought it was a fallen branch, Mr Stewart had decided that it was distinctly thrown, but he also thought that throwing the meat in the bush had potentially saved their lives. Had they have not, he felt that they may have been the meal. Mr Stewart went on to reflect on the incident as a whole. He felt like they were being watched by something abnormal and big. He said their instincts were going into overdrive and they were in shock. He said the ground shook as the creature moved around and firmly believes it was a yowie. The fourth and final encounter was in March of 2016 and was sent in anonymously. A man and his girlfriend had decided to go camping on the Easter weekend and decided to camp near Taronga Falls a very well-known waterfall area just outside of Nuji. However, they had left their run too late and all the popular campsites were full. They drove around for a few hours and eventually came across a clear logged valley. There'd been some recent burning off as well, but it seemed safe enough and it seemed like their best option to camp for the weekend. By midday, they had set up their camp and were getting lunch ready. The man wanted to explore the area, so he left his girlfriend at the campsite and set off down a valley to try to find a creek or a river that he suspected was down the hill. The bush was very dense and full of fern trees, but happened to come across an animal path that led down to a body of water. As he began getting close to the water, he heard a banging sound like someone banging on a piece of wood onto a rock near the water. He heard the sound repeat about four or five times, quite loudly and close to him, about 20 to 30 metres away on the opposite side of the water bank. He stopped and looked around, but couldn't see anyone 
or hear any voices. There were people camped at the bottom of the valley he was travelling down, but they were at least a few kilometres away. He thought there might be someone camping nearby he couldn't see, so he didn't want to frighten them. Instead, he decided to make a lot of noise and then approached the body of water which turned out to be a creek. When he got to the bottom, there was an eerie feeling. It was dead silent, and the Australian bush is very well known for being active. He described the surrounding canopy as dense and claustrophobic. Looking around, he noticed some strange prints in the mud, starting to feel ill at ease. He took some photos of the prints, and then turned around and got out of there. He just felt too uneasy to stay and wanted to leave immediately. Walking up the hill, he met his girlfriend and spotted some strange prints in the dirt. They looked like a heavy dog print, but something about them wasn't right. There were two about a metre apart, and he swore they looked like handprints, almost like someone digging into the ground with their hands. There also appeared to be claws on the hands, which made them think that maybe it was a big dog, probably tagging along with one of the loggers. The pair got back to their campsite and started to feel relaxed again. The sun had gone down and the moon had just come over the horizon. There was a group camping at the bottom of the valley playing loud music and there was a group of hunters out in the bush and another group camped about 800 metres away on the other side of the main road. Further up the hill there was a clearing visible from their campsite. As they continued to talk, they could see a figure moving through it. They just figured it was someone looking for firewood. But as it got closer and closer, it got more and more odd. They heard a sound like an animal knocking quickly on a hollow tree trunk. It would stop, then reappear closer to the camp. The knocking sound got closer and closer, and it almost sounded like a galloping horse. Suddenly, they heard it 30 metres from the camp. They both jumped and got out their torches and went to look. They thought it might have been a feral pig or a deer, which were common in the area, and they'd also seen hoof prints in the dirt earlier. The strange part was, as soon as they shone the torches into the clearing, the sound stopped and didn't hear it again. Whatever was out there, it disappeared silently. But they would not get through the night with that incident, and the most terrifying experience they had came later that night around 3am. The man had woken up to go to the toilet, and as he returned to his tent, he woke up his girlfriend as well, who also needed to relieve herself. By now the moon was full, and the bush was clearly lit by moonlight. She returned, and both of them drifted off. After what felt like a few minutes, they were awakened by the sound of twigs crunching on the ground close to the tent. Suddenly there was a sound like a man marching through the camp, wearing heavy boots. It definitely sounded like footsteps, rather than an animal. They didn't know what to think, and their heart was pounding in their chests. They were ready to grab torches and a hatchet next to them, if it got closer to them. They thought that maybe it was one of the campers, but there was no light from a torch at all. They heard rustling next to the tent, where the rubbish bag was outside. Then it was silent. Despite these events, they managed to fall back asleep, only to be woken again by cracking branches around their car. They would stay another night, though it was uneventful, and they struggled to relax after that. The man's girlfriend was particularly freaked out by what was there that night as they must have seen her doing her business in the dark alone. While the man freely admits that this could have been another camper or a hunter, at the time he was unaware of Yowie's, but now knows it could have been something else. So there you have it. Four separate potential encounters with Yowie's, all in the same township of the small town of Nuji. 
So what are your thoughts? Have these people encountered a big hairy beast that may or may not have wanted to hurt them? Or is there a logical explanation for all of it? Thank you for listening to Fireside Fridays. You can follow Ghosts of Gippsland on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. This is Vigilante's Vendetta production, which you can also follow on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. All source material has been credited in the show notes. Thank you very much for listening.